Hey, well, good morning. It's uh, good to be with you this morning. We're just going to do a short two-week series on Luke chapter 12, and then we'll get into our Christmas series after that. And uh, we're going to talk about Jesus. My, my name's Pastor Bob. I'm one of the pastors here, if you're, you're new with us. Um, but we're going to talk about money this morning. And we, we try not to talk about money very often, um, but it's one of the things that Jesus talks a lot about. And uh, we find that here um, in the passage we're going to look at today in Luke chapter 12, he's talking about why more is never enough. And um, we have um, a lot of different, we have a lot of problems with money in the United States. And we have a lot of blessings of money as well. And I think this is where one of the, I, I want to ask you some questions to kind of try to, to get at um, our, our attitude toward money. And so I think if, if you were given an opportunity to either be content, okay, for a year, be completely content in everything, content about your body, content about uh, your relationships, content about your financial situation, content, totally content, or you could have a million dollars and be discontent, which would you choose if you were not in church, okay, <laughs> and being asked by a pastor the question... Honestly, if I would be honest, I would say a little bit of discontent would be worth a million dollars to me, right? And, and, and so we, we have this mindset, and so, okay, because I think, think of the good you could do with that million. Think of the, and, and the truth is, when we get down to it, this sounds really weird, but enough is enough when we believe contentment is better than greed, and deep down, I think it's part of our American culture, it's part of our human nature. To, we, are, we are fallen creatures, we're broken by sin, and we think more is always better. And, and if, as long as we think more is always better, and we never have this equation, right? We, nobody walks up to you and says, you can have complete contentment or a million dollars, because they can't make you completely content. And most people can't give you a million, and that certainly wouldn't make you content. And, and so we don't, but we make little decisions like that all the time. Which do I want? Do I want to say enough is enough, or do I want a little bit more? Eh, a little bit more couldn't hurt, you know? And so, so that's what we're going to talk about um, and look at what Jesus says about it. Here's an interesting article I was reading recently. Nearly 40% of Americans making more than 100000 annually said they live paycheck to paycheck. So I looked up, what does that mean, paycheck to paycheck? What it means is they don't have more than $1,000 saved. So if something goes wrong with your car, you probably can't pay for it because it seems like it's, it's always like over $1,000. So, so 40% of Americans who make over $100,000. And some of you are like, yeah, I know, that's where I'm at. Others of you are like, are you kidding me? Like, that's crazy. But this is, the, this is the, what they determined, their, their conclusion. Living on, quote, living on constrained budgets may therefore have less to do with income and more to do with expenses, the report said. You think? <laughs> and this points to the issue that that, you know, you know, some of you are old enough to remember what you made years ago and what you make now. And I know inflation is in there as well, and so it's not apples to apples, but, but you, you think, well, make a little bit more, then everything will be good, and there's always something more that takes the more. And so here's Jesus, 
And uh, he's going to talk about money here in Luke chapter 12. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who, who appointed me to be a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That's, that's the lie he's going to attack. We think that life consists in the abundance of possessions, and it doesn't. And we know it doesn't. We know it doesn't. We know contentment is better than greed. We know that, but sometimes we don't act that way. Verse 16, and he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. First world problems. Then he said, it's almost like, you know, man, we need, we need to build storage containers to store my stuff that won't fit in my house or apartment, right? What a crazy idea. Verse 18, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And again, he's not calling him a fool because he saved. You have Proverbs that talk about the wisdom of saving. He's calling him a fool because he, he thought it was all for him. Verse 21, in case we miss the point, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. So I want to tackle three different lies today that we believe in that fight against contentment and that feed greed. And, and the first lie is that I think this is why we're not content. This is why we choose greed and more over contentment. It's because I think it's all from me. I did that. I made that. I worked for that. He told them this parable. This is interesting. You, you almost miss it because of our mindset. What what yielded an abundant harvest? Did, did the rich man yield an abundant harvest? No. The ground. The ground yielded an abundant harvest. And the sun helped yield an abundant harvest. Did the rich man make the sun? Did he make the ground? No. And, and so often we are this way. You know, well, I worked to get what I have. Who gave you the health to be able to do that? Who gave you the wisdom? Who gave you the mind that could think in ways that maybe other people can't think and see things that other people can't see and opportunities and, and all of that? Who gave that to you? James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from our Father of lights, in whom there is no uh, change, who does not change like shifting shadows. And, and so this, this is true. God, God gives us what, everything we have. And when we live in ways that are contrary to reality, we suffer for it, right? If I believe I can fly, I will hurt myself, <laughs> right? Because it's not true, it's not reality, and so it's, it's not going to work out. You know, some people say reality comes with a bite, right? And, and that is really true. What we need to realize is that it's not all from me, it's all from God. And when we realize that, we're not fighting against reality. Here, here's the thing about gratitude. Gratitude is an incredibly powerful mindset. And I think it's powerful because it acknowledges what's true and real. 
And what's true and real is we need to be grateful people because it all comes from God. One of the most grateful people I know is Bob Winterstein. And he always, one of his phrase, every time I hear this phrase, I'm sure he didn't coin it, every time I hear it, I'll think of Bob, the attitude of gratitude. And he's not with us this morning. He has terminal cancer. And, um, you know, but if you, you'll see him every so often. And, and just an encouraging, positive guy. Even with cancer, he's still got the attitude of gratitude. And I can hear his laugh right now. <laughs> like it's this, I can't, I can't imitate it. It's, but it's infectious. And, and so this, this gratitude is such a powerful thing. There was a study done by, um, and actually this study has been done numerous times and all to the same results. This one was done by Berkeley. And they, they um, had two groups of people. They said, one group of people, you're going to be normal, okay? And the other group of people, once a week, we want you to sit down and either write for 15 minutes in a gratitude journal what you are thankful for. Or you're going to write a gratitude letter to someone once a week. You sit down and you take, take your pen out and write to someone telling them what you're thankful for about them, um, how you're grateful for having them in your life and whatever. You're going to do that once a week. And after two or three weeks, there was no difference. After 10 weeks, the results were that not only were these people who write gratitude letters, of course, less depressed, less, um, less uh, likely to, to attempt suicide and all these mental benefits, but they found this as well. They had clearer skin, they slept better, they had lower blood pressure, they recovered from heart attacks quicker, they had less congestion, stomach pain, and nausea, they had fewer headaches and fewer body aches. Here, here's my conclusion from that study. If gratitude was a pill, pharmaceutical pump companies would make billions off of it. But it's not a pill. It's free. And I think this is one of those instances where if you live in the real world, you live better. Because in the real world, you have so much to be grateful for that God has given you. You have friends. You have, you have family. Maybe you don't have those things. You have resources. You have the, you have the Lord. You know, the, the blessings from, from of who Jesus is and what He's done to, for us and, and, and all that God's given on, on, uh, on our behalf and done on our behalf. Um, gratitude is just a really powerful and important thing. So if you can grasp this truth, your body will thank you. Um, and you know what? Oh, doing things is always, it's always better to do things with others, right? Um, played a lot of ping pong um, at my, this is the only time of year I play ping pong is when we go to see Becky's parents. They have a ping pong table in the basement. And so we get playing and, and I tell you what, ping pong is just so much more fun with someone else. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, that was a great serve, Bob. Yep. Now I got to go get the ball. You know, it's just no fun alone. Like it's, and even other things, exercise, it's more fun when you do it with other people. And, and all sorts of things, just much more fun. Even reading, that's why they have, you know, book clubs and things like that. And reading is more fun with others. And, and so we're going to do this together if you would like. Um, I want to challenge everybody here to once a week write a gratitude letter to someone and mail it, okay? And so on your way out, we have um, our guest services people 
And they, they have packets of 10 thank you cards with thank you envelopes. Actually, they're just normal envelopes. But, um, you know, so, so that, and here's the thing, only pick them up if you're going to commit every week to write one thank you letter to somebody about, about what you're grateful for about them and, and their lives. And so that, it'll be a double whammy. It'll be good for your health and your emotional well-being. It'll be good for someone else to receive that encouragement as well. And you know, if you do it for 10 weeks, we're hoping maybe you get your own cards <laughs> and just keep going, right? And if you don't, ask us and we'll give you cards, okay? They're, they're, we buy them by the, I don't even know, thousand. Um, so um, I, I want to encourage you to do that. And if you want to do that, I should have put this up on the screen. And if you want, um, maybe you don't want the cards because you make your own cards, all right, or whatever, you know. Um, but if you want a reminder once a week for the next 10 weeks, text THANKFUL to this number. And essentially, you'll get a short text. It has to be 140 characters or less. So that, that's actually very short because I had to write it. Um, and so there's a little verse in there, give thanks in all things for this is God's will. This is your reminder to, to write a THANKFUL gratitude letter. Don't forget something like that in 140 characters or less. So, so text THANKFUL to that number. If you're online, you can do that as well. Um, we can't give you the cards, but you can make your own or get your own. Um, and and I, I really think this is something, this, this, is a, this is a game changer for a lot of you, a life-changing thing. There's a man, I asked him if I could use his name. I asked him permission for, to use his story. He sometimes does our, our host time. He sometimes does announcements in the morning, Nick, Nick Welch. And I was talking to Nick months ago, and I said, Nick, one of the things I really appreciate about you is how positive you are. You are just a positive person. And uh, he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, what, what's so funny? He says, well, I've really had to work at that. That's not natural. He says, I have been known for being negative Nick. <laughs> just ask my wife. I'm like, really? He's like, oh, yeah. You know, and, and so I, I think this is something that does come naturally to certain people. They're just naturally thankful, grateful people. But for others of us, I do think it's something we can learn. And Thanksgiving weekend, what a great weekend to, to put this into practice and begin a habit of gratefulness in our lives because the truth is it's not all from me. What I have is all from God. And here's the second lie that we often fall for, and this is why we choose greed over contentment and more over enough because I think it's all for me. It's from me, and if it is from me, then of course it's for me. And Jesus says this in the story about this man. The rich man thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. He said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. The Bible is not, Jesus is not telling us we shouldn't save. Okay, that's not the point of the story. Um, in fact, I, I would say there's three classes and three financial types of people in the United States and in the world in general. Uh, the poor, the middle class, and the upper class. And I think they're characterized more by a mindset than by actual financial situation. The poor believe money is for spending. And when someone with a, a, 
call them lower class, but a poor mindset gets, set, gets money, they spend it, or they, uh, they, they, they give it away. But it's like, I'm not going to have it long, so I need to do something with it, right? That's the mentality. And so, so Jesus does, when, when he saw the poor widow, he didn't say, you know what, you need to change your mentality so you're middle class. No, he didn't say that to the poor widow. He said, look at her generosity. She did the right thing. So whether you're poor or middle class or upper class wealthy, no matter what your mindset is on money, Jesus challenges all three and says, you need to add another use for money. Another reason you have this is to be generous and to give to others. So the poor think money is just to spend. The middle class think money is to spend and to save. Now, my grandparents came over Ellis Island, um, my dad's mom and dad, and they came with, I, I would say nothing, but they didn't. They had like a suitcase, right? And that's all they had. And because they had a middle-class mentality of money is for not just spending, but saving. I remember going over to my grandma's house in the 1980s, okay, and wanting to use the bathroom, and she said, no, it is a perfectly beautiful day. You can use the outhouse outside. We don't waste flushing water on a nice day in the toilet. You go outside. and I mean, just the saving mentality was crazy. She, she never, never drank alcohol, not because um, she was against alcohol, because it was expensive. She never had soda except for special guests, which would be grandkids. So it was always flat. <laughs> so either you got the first class... Or who knows how long it's been sitting there, you know, because that's for special guests, you know. And, and so just the saving mentality. And over time, he worked at AJ, EJ's making shoes and bought 10 acres and had a little farm and then bought 11 acres over there and then bought a couple apartments in town. Never owned a car, walked everywhere. Didn't spend the money on something like a car when you got two good legs and you can walk three miles to work and back, you know, I, and just... And just that, so it was a mentality, and sure enough, they started poor, but they ended up middle class because they had a middle class mentality and saving money. And then the upper class, they believe money is for spending, it's for saving, it's for investing. It takes money to make money, and their thought is, I'm not going to put it aside to save, to spend on something. I want to put it to work to make money. Now, now all of these, it do doesn't matter. Honestly, the Bible doesn't advocate necessarily for that wealthy mindset or for the middle class mindset, what Jesus says is he challenges all three mindsets. And he says, it's not all for you. This guy thought, I got all this money, it's for me. And it sounds like, it sounds like he's, he's content, doesn't it? But if you read it carefully, you realize he's not content. He has a plan to be content. He thinks if I just do one more building project, then I'll be good. Then I'll have enough. Then I'll be content. And he never does get there. And, and Jesus, again, points out his, his foolishness was not in his saving. His foolishness was that he didn't give. So I just want to talk a little bit about our church right now. Because I think we, I, our church, I think, needs to model what we need to do as individuals. And, and so this is, this year, what we've been able to do because of your generosity to us. First of all, every year we have 11 ministry partners. 
And they, you know, one of them is actually, talk about it here, uh, Independent Gospel Baptist Churches of India. They're a church planting organization, and we support them every year financially with some of this money. And there's a, a, a orphanage in um, Hammerskrall, South Africa, Bethesda Orphanage, and AIDS orphans that are there, and Food for the Hungry in Guatemala. And there's, there's all these ministry partners that we have. And so every year, as you give to us, we turn around and we give to these ministries as well. And then in addition to that, this year, because we paid off the last of our debt for, for this building was paid off previously, but then we paid off the debt in Halstead. We had debt in Conklin years ago. We paid that off. We are debt-free as a church now. And because of that, we can do one of two things. We can stockpile all the extra money that used to go toward debt payments. That's not what God wants us to do. You don't give to Bridgewater Church so that we can pile it up somewhere for a rainy day. You give to Bridgewater Church to change people's lives. That's what we're about. That's why we built a building, really, that's functional and not gorgeously beautiful. Because it would be nice to have this stone facade and a tower and all the, all the bells and, you know, just to have just a beautiful, awe-inspiring building. But you know what? Everything on earth, every building, every brick, every board will burn and crumble and be destroyed, but people are forever. And so this is a church that says, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna build things so that we can minister to people. This is a tool, the building is. And so we need the tool but but we want to put our money in people. And so this year, because we didn't have this, the, the, the elders gave $122,000 to, to, to this church planning organization to help them because COVID has been hard on believers in India. Okay, other countries have had it much, much worse than the United States. They don't have a government that can write everybody checks. Um. And then 21,500 to community outreaches. Recently, we did one of those. We, we provided lunch for all of the workers at Gracious Living and, and Meadowview Nursing Home. And earlier in the year, we provided lunch for everyone at the hospital for Hospital Appreciation Week. And we do things like that here in Montrose and in the other communities that we're in just to say, man, we, we love this community. We love, you know, the people who are here. And then... 19, over $19,000 in benevolence. And we don't celebrate this a lot because we, we don't want to give names and embarrass people and do things like that. But just recently, there was a woman who lives in a trailer, works an almost minimum wage job, which she has worked almost all her life, and she's in her 60s, and her furnace broke. Her trailer's over 50 years old, and her furnace is over 50 years old. And so her, you know, the church was able to give out of the benevolence fund. Her small group asked people to give. They gave almost the entire amount, just a, hum, a couple hundred dollars short of the entire amount needed for her entire new furnace for her. And, and you know, that's, that's because you're generous. And that's because there's a lot of people in this church that have realized that God has given me a little bit extra, not so I can build bigger barns, you know, or take out a storage unit somewhere. It's so I can give to others. And then the last thing, this is not something done directly through the church. This is something that you all do um, as individuals. 
um, $35 a month to sponsor uh, a child in the villages of Kambalam or Chapun, Guatemala. We, when there's no COVID, we take trips there every year and see, you know, the, the Bible teacher who's teaching them Bible in the, Christ, in, in the public school there and, and see how, how the malnutrition is, is, is gone from, you know, almost 50% to, to almost nothing and, and just the progress that is being made spiritually and financially and economically and, and intellectually even, them learning Spanish. You're like, Guatemala speaks Spanish. Not if you're up in the hill country. You speak Ishil, you speak a tribal dialect, and it's really hard to get a job if you don't speak Spanish in Guatemala. You know, and, and so you can see that. And so there's almost a hundred different families in our church that say, I, I've sponsored FH, you know, and, and all together, that's over $40,000 that is given every year. You add all this up, that's over $300,000 so far this year that's been given away through people in this church and through this church because it's not all for us, right? It's, it's, it's for others as well. So what's your next step um, if you're talking about to not be like the rich fool? How do you countermand that? And I, I, I've talked about these in years past, but I think it's just a great way of breaking it down. If you don't give every time you get a paycheck, I think the next step for you is just to start giving something regularly. And honestly, I have given 10% of my income every year for over 40 years. And you might say, how does that work? How old are you? Because when I was a little kid, that's my, we got a, an allowance from my parents, and now that I'm not pro or, or con allowance. Some people think it's good, some that, that's not the point of the story. I get an allowance from my parents, and my, my mom and dad taught me, and you give 10% of that allowance. It was like a buck 50. Actually, it was less than that at one point, but you know, it worked up, and so a buck 50. So I, I give 15 cents to God, 10%. In fact, one time my dad came by, and I might have told this before, but one time my dad came by and he put our allowance on the, on the table on Sunday morning. That was usually when we got our allowance, um, beginning of the week. And, um, and we were all playing cards. And so then my mom came in. She saw us playing cards with money next to us <laughs> of different amounts because, you know, all of the three kids, we had different amounts for our, you know, depending on our age and our chores for our allowance, and she came in, and she was so mad, she just turned around and went straight out and went and got my dad, and said, those children, they're playing cards and gambling on Sunday morning. <laughs> That's like shooting a deer before 4 a.m. on Sunday morning. I mean, that is a double crime, you know? And my dad came in, and he's like, so what's going on? Oh, we're playing cards. He's like, are you playing cards with the money? We're like, no, you just put our alliance down. We haven't taken it to our, our rooms. And he's like, okay. Went back, told my mom. My mom came in and said, Everyone go put your allowance in your room right now. <laughs> so we did. But, you know, so I, as an early age, I learned, and tell you what, this is so true. Um, the time to start to learn how to give, first of all, is now, but especially if you're young. If you're a child, you have no expenses, probably. Maybe if you're a teenager, you've got a car expense now. But man, just, just, just learn to give. If you're young, you're, you're probably, it's, it's always, there's always going to be, I'm getting into the next point, um, always going to be easier later, you think, and it's not. 
Give proportionately. So maybe you're already doing this. So if you're not giving anything on a regular basis, just say, I'm going to give regularly something, $5, something, somehow. It doesn't necessarily even mean to give to Bridgewater Church. Like maybe, maybe it's to give to, to someone in need. I, I had a, a discipleship one-on-one thing with a man at one point. Rich was his name. And every month we would set aside a certain amount of money. He would and I would. We'd put it in an envelope and we said, whenever you or me, if either of us see someone with a need, that's what the envelope goes for. And so four or five months went by and it started to build up and build up. And then boom, we saw a need, someone... And, and then we're able to give in that way. So however you, you can do that as a family, you can do that with your, if you're married with your husband or your wife and, and just put it in a visible place and say, this is our for someone else fund. It's not for my kids. It's not for, you know, us. It's for someone else. And, and however you want to give, just, just start giving regularly. And then if you're already doing that, then to give proportionately. And, and the Old Testament talks about 10%. There is no percentage given in the New Testament. Um, actually, there is. The percentage, whenever there's a percentage given in the New Testament, it's 100%. <laughs> so, so people who say, oh, 10%, you know, that's an Old Testament legalistic thing. Yeah, you're right. Do you want to do the New Testament one? <laughs> you know, um, and I think in the United States of America, I don't know if I've met anyone who can't give 10%, honestly. And there used to be people who I thought couldn't, and then I saw spending decisions that they made, and I thought, oh, I guess they could have. <laughs> um, and, and so just, and this is a faith thing, right? To trust God, because 52% of Americans don't have $1,000 in the bank. They're living paycheck to paycheck, okay? And, and so it, it is a difficult thing. What we want to say is, well, why don't I pay down all my debt, and then I'll start giving and that's the last point as well. It's not easier later. And then if you're already doing that, you're already giving 10%. There's a woman out um, uh, where we were out visiting Becky's parents. They live out near Pittsburgh. And she made pottery. Sylvia was her name. And now that she's passed away, just recently passed away, not very old, in her 60s, I think, um, which my kids would say is old, but I don't think is very old anymore. But just a sweet lady. Now that she's passed away, my... my um, mother-in-law used to count the money. And uh, so she has shared since Sylvia's passed away, this woman, she double tithed. She didn't have very much. She had like a normal job, if that, and then recently retired and made this pottery stuff on the side. She'd sell a crock like that, 35 bucks. And it was beautiful. Um, So she didn't make, she would double tithe. She'd give 20% of her income away. And just whenever anyone had a need and my mother-in-law was talking about this. She said sometimes she'd find out before anybody else knew. Like, I don't even know how she knew there was a need, and she would give to it. And, and that, that's the giving sacrificially. Here's a woman who, who never had very much. She, you know, her, her, the place where she lived was small and modest, and yet just constantly generous, 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 giving sacrificially. So if the, maybe that's your next step, but, but to give. And then the last point in this story that Jesus is telling is um, we are discontent and we think a little bit more is better than enough is enough because we think we have more time. And God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And, and 
don't take this story wrong. God isn't saying, oh yeah, now finally when you have what you think is enough, I'll show you, I'll kill you. No, that's not the way it's going. Our days are numbered from before when we're born. Right? In eternity past, God knew exactly when you'd be born. He knew the exact minute you would die. And, and what this story is showing is that God knows our time, but we don't, and we usually overestimate it. And we think we have more time, and we think, well, I can't give now because I'm just starting out, and, and I'm in an apartment, and I'd love to get a house, and I need to save for the house, and I can't give. Maybe after, maybe after I have a house, then I can give, and then you have a house, and then maybe kids come along, and they eat you out of house and home. And, and I can't give now because maybe, and there's, there's fees for sports and there's all sorts of different things going on and we have this vacation and, and then, you know, maybe when I'm older, I'll be, and then, oh, my kids want to go to college and it's going to be expensive and then, well, I can't give now. I'm retired. I'm on a fixed income and I'm not making the money I used to. And there's always a really, really good reason to give later. And God is saying, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? You either give to others out of your own volition and will and decision, or God gives to others what you leave behind. Either way, you know, they say you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead by giving to others and being generous. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Um, We don't have as much time as we think we do. More money won't buy you more time. And, And here's a financial principle that I have discovered true in my own life. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Obviously, Jesus said it, so it's not original with me. But it, it's very, that would be major plagiarism there. I have this great idea. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. One of the ministry partners we support is um, this church planting group in India where they have a Bible college. And they used to have an orphanage, but the government shut that down because they don't want Christian orphanages and um, they only want Hindu ones. And there's lots of government pressure and regulation and persecution, and sometimes churches are burned to the ground, but uh, I, I had a friend, I have a, I have a friend, Shabu, Simon, who is, is a part of that organization, and so I give financially to this church, but I give financially to them as well, um, and because of that, you know, my treasure leads my heart. And I pay attention to the news, and I go on the BBC website because I don't hear news in the U.S. media a lot of times, and I look, what's going on in India? Because I I started putting my treasure over there, and my heart is followed. And some of you know Jake Boner, and I think some of you support him individually as well. And all of a sudden, you care about what goes on in Ethiopia, right? And and maybe you, we sponsor a child in Guatemala. Maybe you sponsor a child through Food for the Hungry in Guatemala. And now all of a sudden, what happens in Guatemala is important to you. Why? Because where you put your treasure, it, your heart will follow that. Where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. 
And so that's why it's important to give to others because if you keep everything, guess where your heart is? Your heart's with you. We don't need any help being more selfish and having our, our more, you know, me-focused mentality. Be generous. It is the antidote to discontentment. You want to be content? Learn, you know what, enough is enough. Set a line. This is what I want to live on. That's it. And everything else I'm going to give away. Um, we may have some opportunities. I was talking to Ken Foster ahead of time about a class on financial peace or on budgeting or things like that. We'll let you know if you do that. Because again, talked about this with gra gratitude and thankfulness. It is so much easier and more fun to do things with others than to do things alone. And that's true with giving as well. In fact, that's why I like to give to this church because we can do stuff I can't, right? I can't give up a couple hundred thousand dollars away every year. Are you kidding me? But we can. And in fact, there is, I want to close with this. Um, I forgot to mention this. Um, our vision, 2021, uh, every year at the end of the year, we have um, a goal set to raise a certain amount of money for different things. And this year, it is all to give away. And so we are trying to raise $35,000 to start a new CareNet Crisis Pregnancy Center in Forest City. Um, if you're familiar with Forest City, you know, it's a good distance from here. And um, I, I think there's a great need there. And so, and here's the great thing about that $35,000. Forest Lake Baptist Church, I believe, is providing the manpower to build it, to, to renovate it cheaply. And so we're partnering with them, and we said, we'll come up with the cash, and you come up with the people, and together we'll be able to do more and start a crisis pregnancy center in Forest City. And, and then we, we're trying to raise $45,000, so, so the CareNet, the crisis pregnancy center of, of, the, of Broome County in the Binghamton area and Vestal area is called Life Choices, and they want to hire a man to head up their outreach to men. Because I don't know if you realize this, but 100% of pregnancies involve a man. <laughs> well, that may be, if that's a surprise to you, talk to your parents when you get home. It's a conversation they need to have with you. But, you know, and, and the truth is, they, they've done studies and they've known this forever, that when a woman is trying to decide whether to abort or not, the number one influencer in her life is the dad. It's the man. And, and, the, and so reaching out to these men and then helping them, then several in this congregation, you've been mentors to men. And, and they're, they're sharing with their friends and saying, man, you need to be a part of this program. You know, he taught me about money. He taught me about relationships. He taught me how to be a man because I never had a dad or my dad was worse than not having a dad. And I got to know an older man who told me how to be a man. And so they want to hire a man to head up that, and that's $45,000 for his salary and some startup costs um, up, up there. So that's $80,000. If you want to give, write down vision or write down vision. You know, if you write down CareNet, we'll know what it goes to. Sometimes people write down really weird things, and then we have to call you and say, what is this? <laughs> um, but, yeah, and just, just, just be generous. Be grateful. Be generous, and not only will you help others, but your body will thank you because you're living 
in the reality that God created that it's not all from you and it's not all for you. And we don't really have that much time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word, for the wisdom that you've given us. I just ask that you would help us to follow through. Um, Everything sounds good Sunday morning in church, but uh, when Monday hits, uh, when reality sets in, it's just hard. It's hard to live this out. Um, It seems impossible sometimes. It seems foolish. But God, help us to trust you more than we trust ourselves. Um, Help us to to just love you and to love others more than we love ourselves. And God, I just thank you that you're a generous God. And I just ask for this congregation that's here and that's watching online that you would give us contentment, that you would give us gratitude, that you would give us joy as we follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.